Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today's episode and the next few episodes are going to be a little bit different. So I decided that I wanted to tell you guys the long form version of my birth story of my first son. So part of the reason I want to tell you this story is because it is a key component in why I became a birth worker and what kind of opened the can of worms for my like birth junkiness, I guess you could say. Um, and was really a catalyst in me deciding, you know, later down the road that this was like absolutely what I had to do. Also, I think people love birth stories <laughs> and there is, I, I created, when I wrote this birth story, it was actually a year and a half after my son was born. And the reason it took me so long to write it was twofold. One being that it was an endeavor. It was a lot of freaking work to write this birth story because I knew that if I was going to sit down and write it, it was going to be the real deal. It was going to be every single detail, every single emotion that I felt, and it was going to be educational. I was going to talk about the choices that I made and talk about the options and talk about like what they meant and really explain to women via my birth story things that they could choose. And I really wanted to make it so that when someone read it, just because they're like, oh, I like birth stories, that they would actually learn something of value. Um, and it, it took a lot of digging. I had to literally get text messages from my mom's phone, my sister's phone, my aunt's phone. Um, I had to talk to my birth photographer and like my support team and my husband. And it was a lot of freaking work to get the timeline put together because I'll be honest with you, like it was kind of a blur to me. Um, it, it just lasted really, really long. And I also knew that I wanted to include the two weeks prior to my birth because they were a huge part of my story being that I was doing my prenatal care at a birth center and they can only take you on as a client if you are prior to 42 weeks. And so for me, that 40 week mark through that 42nd week mark was was really emotional and really intense and I wanted to share that 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 was a huge huge part of my journey and so I am actually going to be reading kind of verbatim sorry guys if you can hear a dog barking in the background I'm sitting outside of my back deck I might pause this and um try when this dog stops barking so I'm going to read this pretty much verbatim from my blog that I originally posted this birth story on and it is long so who knows if anybody actually read it. I do think there was a couple people that actually read it all the way through and on my blog I did it in two parts. I did it like 40 weeks leading up to 42 weeks and then I did like the birth story itself after 42 weeks. Spoiler alert my son went to 42 weeks. Um, and so we'll see how many parts and podcast episodes this ends up being, because I don't want 
your eyes to glaze over but i do think that you will be really really intrigued and i might sidebar a few times from what i'm reading just because i will be honest with you guys i have not read through his birth story probably since soon after i wrote it <laughs> so i i feel like i'm gonna be reading this for the first time in a long time and i might get choked up and i don't know i don't know what emotions are gonna come out this is pretty raw so i'm excited to let you guys in to a little piece of my world and yeah so let's get into it okay Whew. this is so weird to finally be writing this i am getting emotional already and have barely even started I tried writing this 11 months ago, nine months ago, six months ago. I never could get it down on paper. I have told people my story and processed some of the hard feelings that surround it, but I have yet to write it down. One reason is that it's such a long story with so many twists and turns, but that I never thought I would be able to get through it all or remember it all. I probably won't remember it all. That's okay. I want other women to know what happened to me, so maybe it will help inspire, empower, or give them comfort. This half of the story is about the two weeks leading up to the labor and birth. Don't worry, though. It's not a boring ride. It's full of all the things you could possibly think of to start labor, quote-unquote, naturally, and full of even more emotions. Just for some brief backstory to begin... I was due April 27th, 2018. I stopped working around the 14th to give myself two full weeks to take time for myself, sleep, nest, and prepare. Well, little did I know, I would be getting a month. <laughs> I hired a birth doula, birth photographer, and was doing all of my prenatal care at a birth center. I felt so prepared. I listened to all the podcasts, read books, discussed things with my midwives and doula, and had a birth plan written. I even did an online hypnobirthing class and a postpartum prep class. I was ready. I was also in no rush. I knew first-time moms tend to go past their due date, and I was not worried when my due date came and went. I even went to my sister's gradu or <laughs> college graduation. Uh, like graduate school like she was actually like getting her master's um I went to it that evening like the evening of my due date um it was funny getting a pedicure on the 28th and telling the lady I was due the day before when she asked it was also my second petty of the week because I deserved it and one of my friends had come in town to surprise me <laughs> I got it I got to spend the weekend distracted hanging with my friend who flew all the way from the east coast to hang out with me we went to barbecue and even went to see infinity war <laughs> which um my child loves marvel movies now and it's so funny because i watched two marvel movies when i was pregnant with him and both times like he would not stop moving <laughs> it could have been like the cherry coke i was drinking but who knows <laughs> it was so nice to have company as my due date passed me by my doula, who was also a massage therapist, mentioned a special massage she gives when moms are past due. I had gotten about five massages during my pregnancy thus far, 
and they all felt amazing p.s like go get a prenatal massage if you are pregnant like do not let this opportunity pass you by but i was looking forward to this one in particular she told me the massage she could do involved pressure points to induce labor naturally i was all about it i wanted to do it on my due date but she was in a birth with another mom i waited my turn then another mom due after me went into labor and i had to wait again i lucked out and got in for a regular massage on the 29th but no pressure points allowed because she was needed for another birth no need to have us both in labor at once and one of us miss out on having her as our doula finally she called me and said she could do my massage this was where we will start the story and funny enough my oldest son is walked outside on the deck and he wants to listen to me tell his birth story so he might be sitting here with me as i record the next piece and so if you hear him chatting to me that is why but i couldn't tell him no because it's actually his story and i thought it was really sweet so it was tuesday may 1st i was 40 weeks and four days and I had patiently waited for the text from my doula saying it was finally my turn for a pressure point massage. I was ready to get things moving. I was so excited and hopeful. My mom brought me to the massage and my doula did all the labor inducing pressure points. The main ones are above the ankle and big toe. Funny, huh? She even added in essential oils that help move things along and rubbed my belly with castor oil. Not to worry, the topical application does not make you poop. (laughs) We will save that for later in the story. I told you things would get interesting. After the massage, things definitely started happening. I started having contractions. I had, at first, I had no idea that's what was happening. My whole belly would get hard and I wasn't feeling much of anything. This continued throughout the day. As my mom and I walked around the park and hooked up the breast pump to try to keep things going walking was super painful on my low back though and i had to take tons of breaks my husband para totally got his hopes way up and told everyone at work that i was in labor i warned him that things can take a while in the beginning and not to get too excited but there was no telling him I was even optimistic enough to text my birth photographer that afternoon and tell her I thought it would be sometime the next day. Oh, how wrong I was. Now it was Wednesday, May 2nd. I'm 40 weeks and five days. I spent more time walking and trying to get things moving. My mom came over with Clary Sage, an essential oil to help stimulate labor, to massage me with. Para had also had me doing every lunge and squat he could think of. Para's my husband, by the way. (laughs) I think I said that. Um, As much as I wanted to get things going, I honestly started feeling defeated, especially with my low back pain and swollen ankles, which, by the way, my low back had actually been hurting, like, for probably the last... I don't know, month of my pregnancy. So this like wasn't anything new. Um, My legs were so freaking sore the next day. 
I was still having contractions, but again, they were irregular and not painful. So Thursday, May 3rd rolled around. I'm 40 weeks and six days. And I had an appointment scheduled with the midwives that day. We wanted to get an idea where things were and the plan of action would be as I approached 41 weeks. Um, because again, remember, I cannot, cannot deliver there past 42 weeks. So we kind of were trying to get an assessment of like where things were at. I went to my appointment and we were really hopeful. Let me preface by saying, oh my gosh, see, I already said this. This is why I shouldn't sidebar because I'm so thorough in my writing. Let me preface by saying that the birth center had strict rules about delivering there. You have to be considered low risk to qualify. One of the criteria that you have to, that you have to meet is to deliver before 42 weeks. After 42 re- weeks, you quote unquote risk out. This would mean a transfer. This would mean a hospital birth. Though, I would get to have the hospital birth with a midwife from the birth center. It was not what I wanted at all. I stayed hopeful. I was only 41 weeks and a lot can happen in seven days in Babyland. At this appointment, we decided to attempt another more natural induction method, a Foley bulb. This is a catheter that has a deflated balloon on the end. The midwives would place the catheter through my cervix, then inflate the balloon with saline once it was placed. The pressure of the balloon helps manually dilate the cervix to about three centimeters and then falls out. This also releases prostaglandins and helps start contractions. Up until this point, I had not had a cervical check. They're not routine before 40 or 41 weeks at the birth center. When it came time to place the bulb, she had to feel inside first. Then she worked really hard to try to get it through my cervix. This was very uncomfortable, like damn near painful. I had to place my fists under my hips to to tilt my pelvis in an effort to make my cervix more accessible, but it wasn't. She said my cervix was way far back, not dilated to even a one, and was still very thick, meaning not effaced at all. They would not, they could not even get the bulb in. This means I was dilated to less than a one, aka zero. (laughs) It was disappointing, but I was cool with it. No biggie. After the Foley attempt, I had to do a non-stress test. This is to make sure the stress from the manipulation of my cervix did not stress out the baby too bad. This means being hooked up to a monitor for 30 minutes while they feed you granola bars and juice. They listen to the baby's heart rate and count movements to make sure baby handled everything well. Baby Nosakara took it like a champ. I want to sidebar here and say that when I wrote this story, I said that this was a more natural induction method. And now that I know what I know as a doula, I would like to say that, like, I don't think this induction method is natural at all. Honestly, inducing labor in general is not really natural. It's kind of a oxymoron to say natural induction method because natural would be mean like waiting for spontaneous labor. But what I meant by this when I said natural induction method um, was that it was not Pitocin. So... 
anything outside of the hospital where I wasn't being hooked up to an IV and I wasn't being fed synthetic oxytocin to me felt like a more natural induction method and to me made sense in this moment to attempt because my main goal at this point was to deliver at the birth center. So I just wanted to sidebar that. Um, And yeah, we'll move on. Okay, so Friday, May 4th, now I'm at 41 weeks. We tried the Foley bulb a second time and still no luck. Later that day, I headed to diagnostic imaging for an anatomy scan. At 41 weeks, the the birth center requests that you do this anatomy scan to make sure that all is well with baby, fluids, etc. It's fairly standard for someone at 41 weeks. Everything checked out and I was given the okay to stay pregnant. I was very happy to hear this as I did not want a medical induction involving Pitocin and was glad to have the week to allow things to happen on their own with other natural nudges, of course. Over the weekend, we enjoyed ourselves. We went to the art fair in our little uh, neighborhood and I had to sit a lot because of the back pain. I had dinner and a movie with my aunt and just went about life, honestly. I even had time to work on my vision board and my affirmation cards for birthday. I wanted all the tools I could possibly get to help me have the most amazing birth. The one other productive thing we did over the weekend was acupuncture. This was my first experience with needling of any kind, and it was a pleasant experience. The doctor was very nice and told me this would not actually induce labor, but would soften my cervix. I was all in. Let's get this cervix soft in hopes of getting some easier effacement and dilation. On Monday, shit started to get real. Before I go into details about the upcoming week, I have to preface with a few things. First, let's go back to the risk-out rule at the birth center. As I mentioned before, they don't deliver you after 42 weeks. Sidebar, I can't even <laughs> I can't even believe that I said they don't deliver you because now like I would never say it that way. Like moms deliver babies, midwives do not, OBs do not, moms deliver babies. Just let's just say that right now. Okay, so in other words, you have to be in active labor labor by the evening of 41 weeks and six days to give birth at the birth center. Also, during my third trimester, I was experiencing borderline high blood pressure. They checked my pressure at every appointment, and every time it was slightly high, nothing major. It was when my ankles, legs, and face started to retain fluid that they got a little worried. This was just an added potential risk factor. They kept checking my urine for protein, another sign of preeclampsia outside of high blood pressure. But yet again, test results were showing I was fine. The potential risk of preeclampsia was sitting in the back in the back of my mind, but not the source of the majority of my stress. The main issue I was having at this point was the pressure of time. I wanted to get myself into active labor so damn bad before my time cut off at 41 weeks and six days. Time felt like it was closing in on me and I was feeling the pressure to make things happen, not just for the impatient family and friends, but to be eligible for the birth center that I spent almost 10 months dreaming about. 
I wanted to deliver at the birth center so badly. I knew from my research that a hospital birth was not for me. I knew I wanted to be left alone, to be in a calm, soothing environment, to have midwives that don't feel the need to give vaginal checks at every turn. And I wanted to have or and want to have you hooked up to a monitor the whole time. I wanted access to the jacuzzi tub and the birth sling. I wanted the option to give birth in the water and to have my golden hour respected. I wanted the queen size bed to cuddle my baby in after he or she was born. We did not know the gender. I wanted to have the option to go home four hours after giving birth and be in my own home. Writing this is hard. (laughs) Writing about all the things I wanted and spoiler alert did not get is bringing up emotions that I didn't expect. So let's get on with the story from here. Monday, May 7th, I was 41 weeks and three days. I planned on coming back to the midwife's office today for yet another fully bulb attempt. Yet again, it was an uncomfortable, vulnerable waste of time. With each attempt comes a non-stress test after. So the process lasts about an hour. I expected it this time, so I was less disappointed. Later in the day, I got a chiropractic adjustment and went swimming. I thought those things may relax the muscles and help baby do what he or she needed to be done and to get some dilation to happen. At 6 p.m., I went to my doula's house to get another labor-inducing pressure point massage. It felt great. She also did some rebozo positions with me. Which, if you don't know what a rebozo is, it is a Mexican cloth used for labor and birth. Um, Like before, contractions were happening. It was exciting. We went home and hooked up the breast pump and tried to keep the momentum. We decided that if nothing happened tonight, I would take castor oil in the morning. I did not want to have to resort to this, but I wanted to avoid Pitocin and hospital birth even more. Unfortunately, it was another disappointing night of no action, so I woke up at 4 a.m. and drank that nastiness. By now, you may be asking, but Taylor, did you try blank? The answer is yes. I ate the spicy food and the pineapple cores, which by the way, you have to eat the core, like not just the outside. I ate the dates and drank all the red raspberry leaf tea. I ate the chicken parm, which they say to eat because it has oregano in it. And apparently oregano can like help induce labor. I did the mild circuit. I did evening primrose oil orally for weeks prior and vaginally for quite some time as well. I had sex as difficult at this as this was at this point. I lunged, squatted, and bounced on the birth ball consistently. There was not one old wives' tale I did not try. I tried it all. Not to mention the acupuncture, the chiropractic, all the things. So on Tuesday, May 8th, at 41 weeks and 4 days, I drank the castor oil mixed with orange juice at 4.40 a.m., Yes, I was in need of the bathroom for most of the morning. It took a while to kick in. I can't remember exactly how long, but it definitely did kick in. By the way, if you don't know why castor oil is used to induce labor, let me enlighten you on the joy. 
Castor oil is an extreme laxative. The theory is that the stimulation of the bowels will also stimulate the uterus and jumpstart contractions. This works great for many women, especially when labor is stalling or slows way down. It did not work for me. I just got a colon cleanse out of the deal. Later that morning, I went to another fully bold placement attempt, and it was a failed fourth time. I was only 0.5 centimeters dilated and not effaced at all. They said baby was at negative one station. Station three is baby's head crowning. So that meant baby was getting lower in my pelvis. A glimmer of hope. The only other good news was that baby was centered, head down, and still handling the stress just fine. At 10.30-ish that morning, I was feeling more contractions, so I hoped things would get moving. Unfortunately, they did not. By this time, I was so defeated. We, my mom and I, swung by a coffee shop to grab a drink. I told my mom I needed to hang back in the car for a sec. As soon as she went inside and the car door was shut and I was alone, I broke down. I started bawling. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Honestly, writing this is causing many of those feelings to bubble back up. I don't know if I truly processed the disappointment and frustration I felt in that moment until I wrote this down on paper. I was honestly not crying because the fourth attempt failed. I was crying because I was getting consumed with trying to make this thing happen. I wanted that birth center birth so badly that I let it consume me. All day, every day, all we did was try to start labor. I was done. I wanted to stop thinking about it. I wanted to go through the rest of my day like a normal person. I wanted to actually enjoy these last days with my baby instead of hyper-focusing on giving him the boot from my womb. I explained this to my mom and she took it well. I didn't want to offend her for all of her help. She had been there with me for every moment of the past week. She was almost more invested than me as she wanted me to have the birth I dreamt of. She was amazing and I am forever grateful for all she did for me during those days. Para was able to continue going to work because she was there. I needed her there. I just needed today to not be or to be about her loving me. No more trying. Not for today. The one thing we did do was a second acupuncture appointment. We already made the appointment and decided, what the hell, let's give it one more shot. We spent the rest of the day buying labor snacks, which, by the way, I had to restock the ones that I had previously bought due to things taking so damn long and had eaten them all. And we made freezer meals. The labor snacks were for me and my team during labor, as the birth center encourages eating during labor. This is a topic for another post. The freezer meals were to have easy, healthy things to have ready for when life with a newborn was upon me. I highly recommend doing this for future moms. I think round two of acupuncture must have done something because I lost my mucus plug around 8 p.m. that night. I was so excited I made sure to text my doula and birth photographer. 
I was very hopeful that something was finally happening. I was doing fairly well at that point of staying hopeful while simultaneously not expecting too much. Good thing because nothing more happened that night. Sidebar here. This is a great example of why I even have a hard time teaching like childbirth education classes to moms because I get a lot of questions about well, how do I know when I'm in labor and what happens first and then what happens next? And sometimes in childbirth education classes, you will learn that losing your mucus plug can be a sign of labor. But I always try to explain to my clients now that just because you lose your mucus plug does not mean that labor is like going to come immediately after. A lot of times with signs of labor, it takes one it takes two or more of the signs of labor happening in conjunction with each other for you to kind of realize that labor is starting. So losing your mucus plug but not having any contractions is not a sign that labor is starting. Your mucus plug can come out in chunks and it can also kind of like rebuild itself so you can continue to lose mucus plug over the course of days or even potentially weeks, depending on when you lose pieces of it the first time. So I just wanted to say this because in that moment, I felt, you know, the need to like text everybody. And I have a lot of moms that get really confused when these quote unquote signs start to happen. Um, And unless they know that without the other things happening as well, it doesn't necessarily mean labor's coming or starting. It can be really defeating because you you hear in the in the classes that this is a sign of labor and then it doesn't happen for you. So it can make you feel almost like your body is doing something wrong or like your body doesn't know what to do. And that's just not the case. So I just wanted to mention that about the mucus plug before I moved on. So now we move on to Wednesday, May 9th. You guys, I'm at 41 weeks and five days. As you can see, time is running out. If I want to deliver at the birth center, I have to get this show on the road. And let me tell you, there was nothing more I wanted in these moments than to deliver at the birth center. Of course, I wanted a healthy baby. Of course, I did. But let's be real for a second and admit that that is not all that matters. People sure, like can make us moms feel guilty for that but it's just not like it's something that I will stand by and this is a sidebar again but mom's experiences matter too this is something that you will remember for the rest of your freaking life let me tell you and every mom wants a healthy baby and every mom wants to come out the other side healthy as well But those two things should be, in my opinion, the bare minimum. And then a mom's experience layered on top of that, she should get the experience that she deserves. So I just want to say that. Um, I decided to go all in today. 41 weeks and five days. Like I had had my pity party yesterday and I was ready. I did the unthinkable and took castor oil a second day in a row. One of my three midwives even advised against it, but I wanted to do anything to avoid hospital and avoid Pitocin. 
it definitely started working. I felt pretty shitty, pun intended, the whole way to the birth center and had to run to the bathroom immediately when we got there. I was having contractions, but more than anything, I just felt sick. We were at the center for a fifth, yes, fifth Foley bulb attempt. This may have been the most uncomfortable attempt yet. They all blend together now, to be honest, but the castor oil was making everything about this time pretty awful. The midwife tried to place the bulb, but she couldn't get it. My cervix was much softer, as she told me, but was still way far back and closed up. This failed attempt was hard to process. I was so frustrated, sad, scared to not get the birth that I wanted, and all at the same time, needing to run to the bathroom again and feeling horrible cramp-like sensations. Like, damn, I felt like shit. There was a glimmer of hope. Don't say that. <laughs> he said, don't say that. Um, then there was a glimmer of hope. The midwife that had just attempted the placement said she was so close to getting it and thought that the other midwife with longer fingers may have better luck. Also, they were excited that I felt like shit. Birth is the only case where feeling worse can actually be a good sign. They said that this meant the oil was doing its job and we should see some progress. She had me do some lunges with one leg propped up on the exam table while she saw another patient. I only did one side as we were trying to make my offset cervix a little easier to access. This was, I was to do this until the long fingered midwife (laughs) could come give me one last attempt. I did and she did. Holy fuck. Sixth time was a freaking charm. Excuse me. They got the Foley placed. Writing this now, I am so excited. And sidebar, reading this now, I am still so excited. I think I probably was too then, but the pain was a quick distraction. I had to run to the bathroom yet again. And let me tell you, pooping liquid while maneuvering a catheter hanging out of your vagina while having painful contractions is not a fun or easy task I wish upon anyone. That being said, it was in. I still had another day and a half to let everything take its course and was so grateful for that. Unfortunately, I had to sit through another non-stress test and that was the worst. As in all the other ones, baby did not want to perform quickly and made me sit the full 30 minutes as I was force-fed juice and granola bars. I could barely eat or drink them and was starting to be a B-I-T-C-H because my five-year-old is standing right here to the people around me. All I wanted was to be home in my own bed and on my own toilet. If I recall correctly, I even had to take a break in the test to poop one more time. Finally, the test was over and baby was cleared for us to go home. I was so grateful to get home. I had to take a moment to chill and regroup, but I also did not want to lose momentum. I was told that I needed to keep moving for the next six hours. My mom and I went to Target to walk. 
I needed the cart to lean on as my low back was hurting so bad at this point, even with just standing. We spent the day balancing movement with rest, and by 6 p.m., the Foley bulb had fallen out. I was instructed to tug on it gently every time I had to pee, and eventually it just popped right out. It looked like a little water balloon at the end of a rubber tube. Kind of cool, actually. I was thrilled to know that I was dilated to a three, the size of the balloon, but yet again, contractions had died off. I reached out to my birth photographer to keep her in the loop, and she told me to keep the faith and that baby just probably wasn't ready, and that's why none of the tricks were working. I told her if things did not happen tonight, we would be headed in for one last appointment with the midwives to devise a plan for the next step, aka a transfer. I still had hope. My doula came by that night to use essential oils and pressure points again to try to make one last effort to keep things moving. If nothing else, it was relaxing for me. Before my doula left, she said that I should try to get some sleep that night. If nothing else, tomorrow was likely to be very exhausting and I needed my rest. I tried, but damn, that last night was hard. The last night deserves a paragraph of its own. It was so emotional for me in so many ways. Though I was hopeful, I was also coming to terms with the fact that plan B may be needed. I also knew that this would be our last night in our home as a couple, as non-parents, as husband and wife. I knew this would be the last time baby's nursery did not belong to someone. Also, the last precious hours of me and my baby being completely alone and in this together, this close. He or she was all mine, and I did not have to share him or her with anyone. I sat in the nursery and cried. I cried and talked to my baby. I told my baby that I loved him and I was so excited to meet him or her. I said that we would work together and I was there to protect him and keep him safe through the process. We needed to be a team. That night, I also asked my husband if we could sleep on the floor of the nursery. Sounds silly, I know. But I was 42 weeks pregnant in an emotional mess. He was not thrilled with sleeping on the floor, but complied. We snuggled and it felt safe. I was trusting in God and the universe to get us through what was to come. We did eventually move to the bed for some restful sleep. Then Thursday came. Thursday, May 10th, 41 weeks and six days. Today was the day. Today was my cutoff. Today, I had one final appointment with the midwives. The appointment that would somewhat seal my fate in deciding what the hell we would do now. Typically, when a mom needs a non-emergency transfer from the birth center, she would be placed in the care of one very specific midwife that has privileges at the hospital. I had not met this particular midwife, but I was not too worried, as all the other midwives stood behind her. I went into my appointment thinking we would decide on a time for me to head in and I would just meet her. Just as I had been 
with so much so far, (laughs) I was wrong. The one midwife that had the ability to deliver at the hospital was unavailable. They did not say why, except that she was very, very sorry. Wait, what? Now what? I was presented with two options. I could go to the original hospital and be placed with any random OB, or I could go to a different hospital and be in the care of an OB everyone loved. Seems like an easy decision, right? Wrong. The OB everyone loved happened to be at a teaching hospital, meaning more possible interruptions and people around, whereas the original hospital is known for being more natural and even has a labor tub. After discussing it with my mom, husband, and doula, I decided to go to the teaching hospital in order to have an amazing OB that was recommended by everyone I asked. Even my birth photographer said I was in good hands with her. Let me side note by saying I would not have chosen to induce. I could have continued to wait. I could have looked into transferring to a home birth midwife that would feel comfortable delivering me past 42 weeks. I could have. Maybe I even should have, but I didn't. I chose to be induced at 41 weeks due to statistics and risks I could not live with at the time. The rate for stillbirth goes up after 42 weeks. I was a first-time mom. I would not risk it. In hindsight, I don't believe I would do anything differently with the knowledge I had. I had no way of knowing what the next two days would consist of. And if I were to ever have another baby, I would choose differently. But with all I knew then, I made the best choice I could. I want to sidebar here and say that the stillbirth rate does go up at 42 weeks. And some doctors will tell you that it doubles, which it does. But it goes from less than 1% to less than 1%. I'm not looking at the numbers in front of me right now, but I want to say it's 0.001 to 0.002. So it's very, very low to very, very low. And it is very, very important as a mom that, or as a pregnant person, that you ask for the actual risks. Because at the time, I was just being presented pretty much with relative risks. Um, Even in my own research that I had done, it was more vague. It was like the stillbirth rate goes up. And so being a first-time mom and being, like, utterly bonded with this baby already, like, there was no way in hell I was risking that at that time. Also, looking back, I have no idea if a home birth midwife would have even taken me on at 42 weeks pregnant. There's no way for me to know that now. And I also know now, looking back, that my third option, if I would have been okay with that stillbirth rate being less than 1% to less than 1%, I could have had the option to just kind of not have a provider for the next few days or a week, you know, depending on how long it took. And for me to just wait for spontaneous labor to happen and for me to just walk in to any hospital in spontaneous labor, like they have to treat you, they have to care for you. I also potentially could have transferred to another provider in a hospital because the birth center, like I said, like by law, they can no longer be my provider at that point. Um, I could have transferred to another provider 
in a more medical setting. But any provider I would have transferred to that I could think, like any provider most likely would have pressured induction. And I was just like, I don't need more pressure. (laughs) So that coupled with the stillbirth rate, coupled with not necessarily knowing how to acquire a home birth midwife at that point, not really feeling comfortable with home birth at that point. This was the decision that I made. And again, like I said, looking back, I don't think I would change it knowing what I knew. But looking back, if I knew more, I would definitely have made a different decision. So I just wanted to say that um, before I move on. So the plan was this. If no miracle happened and I was not in labor by 6 p.m. that night, I would head to the hospital at 10 p.m. I would meet the doctor and we would start a slow induction using Cervidil to soften the cervix. No Pitocin yet. I felt at peace with the decision. Para went ahead and went to work for the day and my mom, sister, and I went to lunch. I tried to be in good spirits, but all day, honestly, was I was just pretty upset. We were going to go to a movie, but I couldn't. I just wanted to be home. I wanted to be with my feelings. We spent the afternoon napping and gathering my bag, snacks, vision board, oil diffuser, playlist, birth plan, and all. We said our goodbyes to the doggies, and around 9.15, we hit the road. We left the house for one last time, knowing that the next time we walked through that door, we would be bringing a baby with us, knowing our world would be rocked and forever changed. What we did not know was that we would have a hell of a story to tell, a story about how baby Nosakara made a grand entrance into this world and how his mama fought like hell to make it happen. I hope you come back for part two of this amazing story and the crazy ride has barely even begun. Okay, friends, so we are like 45 minutes in and that didn't take as long as I was thinking (laughs) when I was looking over my story and seeing how long it was. I was thinking it was going to take me like four hours to read this. But I think I will just leave this at part one and I will read the rest, which is like the actual labor and birth in part two. So I will be dropping the rest of this story later this week. Um, So thank you for tuning in and I will drop some resources in the show notes I will also be dropping some ways to contact me in the show notes because I would love to talk to you guys about my story. If there's any questions you have about things that I could have explained better or just things that you're curious about, like, especially now that I'm in the birth world and when I originally wrote this story, I wasn't. When I originally became a mom, I wasn't. Like, I am full-fledged birth junkie now and I want to talk about women about birth options all day every day so please feel free to reach out to me and let's start a conversation okay I will see you for part two